0: You are entering a battlefield of the future. The Star Wars Jedi Arena. Becoming a Jedi Master takes practice.
1: Using your lightsaber, try to penetrate your opponent's defenses. But watch out, the whirling
0: Seeker can attack on its own. So follow your instincts. Ah, now you're ready to take on any challenger who dares to oppose you. Play the Jedi Arena home video game. Alone or head-to-head, the challenge awaits you. From Parker Brothers, the ones to beat. Here we go
2: Good evening ladies and gentlemen. We
1: are tonight's entertainment. I'm gonna kill you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. That's not how the Force works. Very small man can cast a very large shadow. This (laughs) does put a smile on my face. Once more, the Sith will rule the galaxy. Most
3: impressive. You are on the Sithless. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 112 of the Sith List. I'm your host, Raj Dolda and my co-pilot for this amazing adventure: the young, the restless, the man with the most hair on his chest on this side of the Western Hemisphere, Carlos <laughs> Buhargoyo <laughs> The man that probably doesn't have a lot of hair chest. Got a couple curly cues in there. Yeah, I have chests of hair just laying around, dude. You said hair chests. That's mm-hmm. yeah. You do have like uh, pockets Saving of chest. hair all over your chest, though. Like randos. Tufts? Tufts. Yeah, sure. Tufts of hair. Lesses? Okay. Less Got a tufty chest. Gonzalez. <laughs> there you go. The man we call El Hombre. Yeah, you cued that music up. The man we call the hair. The man who I just talked for about 15 minutes about Queen Strike. Who else can I do that with? Probably the guys on Queensryche. Eric <laughs> finally has solo on Blu-ray. Struthers. <laughs> how you doing, guys? How, how you doing, Eric?
2: I'm great, man. And I'm super great. It's always a good time to be recording a podcast with the three of you. Yes, I agree. Mm. Les, how you doing, buddy? I, well, the day just got even better after hearing that. Oh,
3: had
4: a little lunch how was your birthday
3: the... weekend, Les? It was Okay. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way people he has a mischievous yeah exactly. laugh and smile on his face it had its there were some ups and some downs more That's... ups than downs yeah correct
4: yeah
5: good glad boo Oh <laughs> uh, i'm you good. finally rested yeah no i'm i'm feeling better yeah good i actually slept really good today so i'm good yeah how's the booting train going fantastic we just celebrated
3: our six months on sunday That is fantastic. I just celebrated my two years on Monday. Wow. Yes, yes. And guess where we went to celebrate my birthday? Uh. Other than the first place we dated, and that was on Monday. But Sunday, even more importantly, I went to go see the one and only Queen B and Mr. J to the Z. And let me tell you, yes. And let me tell you, Eric, there was a couple moments where I really was contemplating rushing the stage, and I just thought I would miss you guys. Yeah. That's the only reason. (laughs) That's <laughs> only reason I didn't do it. But uh, Queen Bee was amazing. She was unbelievable. And I'm not joking. There were witnesses. I had goosebumps the entire time. And people were laughing at me. That's so all I have to say. I'm speechless. Cuckoo.
5: Yeah. A little cuckoo on that one. <laughs> How's, that? How's that restraining order going?
3: Uh, well, I was... Uh, <laughs> another reason why I couldn't do it, because I was probably 800 yards away from her. <laughs> uh, like you're supposed to be. Yeah. So that's probably why I couldn't do it.
4: A motivated Marine in 800 yards is nothing, dude. <laughs>
3: That's why I'm not a Marine. <laughs> so, let's get into some stuff, guys. You ready?
4: Yes, sir. Please, let's do this. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. We
3: are a proud members of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Podcasts like The Great. Now, this is podcasting. The Great Rogue One. The Great Blue Harvest. Now, I have to say The Great to everybody because I will feel bad. The Great Steel Wars. The Unbelievable Rebel Girls. First Order Transmissions. They're great, too. And all the rest of them are great. Tarkin's Top Shelf, Podcast Seven, The Cargo Hold, and Figure with Randy and Jason. Please check them out. We have a website, TheSithList.net. Please go check us out there for the latest news, the latest podcast, the latest pictures. Should have took a picture of Queen Bee and put it up there. But I guess you guys weren't there, so I didn't want to do that. Absolutely check us out. We are heading to New York Comic Con, Lesson I. And we yes. have some stuff lined up. I bought some equipment. We're going to do some interviews. We're going to go on the floor and do some interviews. All that stuff, all that news will be on the website once we get back. So please check it out. We are on Twitter. You can find me at The Sithless Boo.
2: At The Sithless Boo.
3: Crunch Crunch with the hairs on his chest. At lessismore More 78. And The Hair.
2: At Eric Strathers.
3: You can also find us on Instagram and the Facebook. You can find us both. Just look up The Sithless. Email us, thesithless at gmail.com. We have a hotline, 707 65 geek1. That's 707 654 3351. Please leave some iTunes reviews. We really appreciate it. And there is your shenanigans. Box office. Let's get into some box office. Despite the overperformance of Universal's new release, The House with a Clock in Its Walls, which is a long title, and The Stronghold from Lionsgate is Simple Favor, which is the movie with Anna Kendrick and the girl that I love that I forgot her name again. Blake Lively. Thank you. you. This weekend is still one of the worst of the year. Things weren't helped by the soft openings of Fahrenheit 11 slash 9 and Life Itself, which I saw, by the way. And Assassination Nation, which Boo heard it was amazing. As the three other new wide releases struggled to find its audiences. So this week, House with a Clock in its Walls made $26.6 million. A Simple Favor made $10.2 million. And The Nun, still scaring the shit out of people made 9.3 million. So there is your box office for the weekend. And we have some Star Wars chit-chat. Eric, last week we didn't have much to talk about.
2: But then, cool. but
3: then the day after we record, Mr. Iger drops a
2: bombshell. You want us lead us through the Star Wars talk? Sure, man. So Bob Iger was interviewed by The Hollywood Reporter, and in this, he talked a lot about uh, the Disney streaming service, what's going on with Marvel, but where it pertains specifically to Star Wars, he talked about, or he talked about his role in the release the release timing of Solo and the poor performance of Solo at the box office, and You know, he said they they took a risk and that he got it wrong. It was it was on him that they decided to release Solo that close to The Last Jedi and that from here forward that we should expect a slowdown. And the buck stops with him on that. So I thought it was I mean, let's be real. That's what you do when you're in leadership. You you take responsibility for these things. But it was it was cool to address it so frankly. And I mean, let's be real. We've talked about it and talked about it. We agree that the timing is what really hurt the performance of the movie, because from what I can tell, the feedback has been that the, the movie's good. People dig it. And so I guess he never really got into why they did it as far as were they trying to set up this May release thing as a thing, or were they trying to see what the market would bear and start putting out to a year? But regardless, here we are now where we should expect a slowdown after nine.
3: Exactly. The question I have is, he said we're not going to get one every year. Okay, so we're not going to get one in December. So we're going to get one next December, obviously, episode nine. So that means we're not going to get one for 2020? We're did
2: he say specifically that we weren't going to get one every I year?
3: I thought I read something where he said, yeah, I don't think having one every year is a good idea. But when I read that, I was like, wait a minute. You can still do one
2: a year and just keep it during Christmas. Right. Because that did God. work. It definitely did. It, even three movies in with The Last Jedi, you still made – what it ended up doing? one point five. Yeah, I think billion it did 1.4 or 1. 4, – 1. 1. yeah, it did some ridiculous amount. It, plainly, the strategy was working. Would Solo have made that kind of money if it, they had waited till December? I don't know, but I, I do I do think that it would be a a bit of a miss to not have it. I think that it's several things led to Solo's numbers. And yeah, we've talked about that a million times. But, but yeah, it's hundred percent. But agree. do you do you think that? The time of year that it was released was a factor. Let's say you take everything else out of the way. Man, we don't want to get into this. I'm sorry. That's that's a conversation. No, 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 no. That's okay.
3: We can get into it really quick. I believe it was a multitude of different factors. I think if they gave it enough leeway for marketing and to get people to know Alden and to pump up um, Donald Glover way more um i think it would have been a, a better success i think instead of making 392.4 million which is what i looked it up today by the way um i you know what i looked up i when i was looking at boxofficemojo.com i looked up if it made any money this weekend if it was playing anywhere and i believe it made 13,000 this weekend Solo? <laughs> so yeah it just randomly made some money somewhere um but so i think it could have made 600 million dollars 650 million dollars which is pretty fucking good you know what I mean? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Like again, Ant-Man didn't make I don't think as much as solo has made worldwide and it's not called a failure. I just think the having Star Wars as the label it's go, you have to make a billion dollars now which is very unfortunate. So, I think having one a year in Christmas time, I think making that a tradition to go with your family, go with your kids, go with your friends, go with your crazy podcasting family to yeah. go watch it every Christmas. I think that is a cool way of doing it. I think they should stick with that.
4: And, and I think Chili's would be happy if that happens. So that That's they right. That's right. Chili's would be happy. And Mr. Rustin,
3: Mr. Rustin Brown would be even happier.
2: If he gets his food, because last time we didn't get his On food. On time, down. yeah. Damn, yeah. Inside story. Sorry,
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> One of the other things that he talked about was the mini series for Loki and Scarlet Witch featuring the original actors playing the characters for the Disney streaming service. And of course, instantly that brings up the question of what using that same business model, what would they do for star Wars? And yeah, yeah, the sky's the kind of the limit, but one of the things that I tend to think about just from a man, that's a bummer standpoint is the characters in solo that I would definitely like to see more of, but we're probably not going to get a sequel, at least not in the theater. I would love to see more of Kira and what happens with Crimson Dawn and Maul and just that whole bit, the whole crew. So you could take any one of them and build a small series around it that I think in that, in that venue, if you will, the streaming service, it would probably have an audience that it would be well received.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. How cool, you know, like, like you said, I'd be very disappointed that we don't get to see that on the big screen, but you know, we'll take it (laughs) as Star Wars fans. We'll take it. Right, right. We do have some sad news, though, right, Eric?
2: Yeah, yeah. This is this is sad. Uh, Gary Kurtz, he's a producer in um, well, it wasn't a new hope, but the original Star Wars movie and The Empire Strikes Back, and it's he's been credited with really sort of taking the chance of letting Empire Strikes Back become the movie that it was, and it. This is worth diving into yourself to go. Just go check out some articles about him and see just sort of the saga of his relationship, working relationship with George Lucas. Mm -hmm. I was reading the article that Jason had on MakingStarWars.net. Yeah, I read that too. So interesting. Yeah, and he talked specifically about the uh, the J.W. Rensler, the making of Return of the Jedi, Mm -hmm. and apparently Gary Kurtz showed up for work. Only to find out that, according to George anyway, he had plainly told him he didn't have a job anymore. <laughs> he still showed up. And just just how awkward would that have been, for, you, you know, at, in that environment for him to be there? And it, my guess would be that George probably didn't communicate that very well, but yes. I, it's, it's stories like that that... <laughs> the behind-the-scenes stuff, that's probably what I find the most fascinating, Yeah, There's crazy facts like that. Exactly. And it's a shame that most people, other than diehard Star Wars fans,
3: don't know of Gary Kurtz and, and his contributions to the whole saga. Well, at least the first two, which the first two pretty much molded the entire saga. So I, this variety had something that said, you know, Star Wars producer Gary Kurtz died this last Sunday due to cancer. In addition to helping bring Skywalker stories to the big screen, Kurtz produced American Graffiti and The Dark Crystal. His career was closely aligned with that of George Lucas, but the two parted ways after the troubled production of The Empire Strikes Back, Kurtz had championed Star Wars through multiple drafts and helped Lucas navigate 20th Century Fox's lack of enthusiasm for a movie they dismissed as a B-picture. Rest in peace to Mr. Gary Hertz. And yeah, like Eric said, check out his IMDb and uh, you'll be amazed also with all the stuff that he did. Oh, for sure. All right. We have a interesting trailer. I don't think Boo has seen it. I don't think Les has seen it. You've seen it? I have not. You have not. And I don't think, I know Les probably hasn't seen it because he was hard at work today. Vader Immortal VR trailer. And we're going to play it. And we're going to talk while we're watching it. This is going to be interesting. And it looks pretty fucking cool. And the trailer is pretty cool. And I want to talk about if who I think is on here is on here. But uh, we're going to play it. So let's play it. So this is from Oculus Studios. We're going to do a commentary while we're watching this. Hyperspace. Massive Imperial Cruiser. We know that noise. Yeah, there's Vader's castle. A lot
5: of fire. Very hot.
3: Somebody's got a breathing apparatus. I don't know. Oh, fuck. Uh, there's awesome. the, Listen to this. There's the probe. Mm-hmm. You may wonder why I have brought you here. Oh, shit. Okay, that's... If I'm not mistaken... That has to be. That sounded very much like Mr. James Earl Jones. This comes out in 2019. Invader Immortal official episode teaser. Check it out on YouTube because it's beautiful looking and the music's amazing and I believe... Eric, is that James Earl Jones? That has to be. Man, yeah. it sure sounds like him. It's, I, it's not. My God. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the not, best yeah. imitation. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that was unbelievable. And this is going to be coming out in the new Oculus machine that they were box or whatever the heck it is that they have. And it's going to be their major feature thing. And we're going to listen a little bit to the Star Wars show talking about it right now.
2: Vader Immortal, a Star Wars VR series, was officially announced with a teaser trailer for its first episode during Oculus Connect 5 this morning.
3: The new immersive series
1: from ILM-X Lab takes place between the events of Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One and is also connected to their hyper-reality experience, Secrets of the Empire.
0: Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy said, We always look for opportunities to explore the Star Wars universe in new ways. Adding, ILM-X Lab is very excited to be working with David S. Goyer on a first-of-its-kind Star Wars experience which allows fans to travel to Darth Vader's fiery,
2: lava-ridden fortress and wield a lightsaber on his home. Term. So ready. <laughs> Writer and executive producer
1: David S. Goyer stated as a lifelong Star Wars fan, working with ILMX Lab on an untold Vader story is a dream come true. The experience is designed to be immersive first, meaning from its inception, this three-part series has been conceived and executed specifically for the VR medium. We're breaking new ground with this project that places you, the user, at the center of the story.
2: The first episode of the three-part series is set to launch in 2019 on the newly announced Oculus Quest.
3: All right. There was the Star Wars shows breakdown of this amazing game. Man, I mean, just, just watching it. Hopefully you can go and check it out as soon as you can. Just watching it gave me the goosies, kind of like Beyonce did last Sunday mm-hmm. in a different way, though. Huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. We got an email from a new listener, Sil, and I wanted to read about it because it is very Star Wars esque. And let's talk about it during Star Wars time. Hey, Sithless. First of all, happy birthday, Les. We got a thank birthday you, shout you out, much. Les, already. I'm a new listener to the podcast, started somewhere around episode 95. Well, thank you very much, Syl. I was excited to hear you talk about the Marvel live-action TV miniseries for Disney streaming service. I will watch the hell out of a Loki series. (laughs) That's awesome. I really do hope it works so that maybe we can get something similar for that in Star Wars. Well, this is very timely. With the de-aging technology getting so much better, I really like to see you and McGregor de-age. So we can have that Padawan Kenobi one year on Mandalore story where he meets Satine Christ or one about a young Jedi knight named Mace Windu. Oh, Hmm. Also love the captain Marvel discussion. I know nothing about the comics, but now I'm excited for the movie. So am I where before I was indifferent. So thank you guys. May the force be with you. Sil. first of all, still thank you for sending us this email. Thank you for listening to us. Hopefully you're still listening to us. Stick with us after Please. episode 95. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we really appreciate it. And I think de-aging you and McGregor would be amazing. And we've already seen a de-aged Samuel L. Jackson, by the way, who has a part in Life Itself. He's in everything. He is in everything. That's yeah. right. It's, a very, funny, it's a very funny part. He plays himself. Does does say, that's does, fine. Does he yeah. say,
5: motherfucker? He sure does. Oh. Absolutely. oh that's, yeah, uh, word, in a very cool
3: <laughs> way. In a very cool way. Fantastic movie. But still, uh, I am very excited about Captain Marvel, and I didn't know anything about the character as well, so I'm right there with you. I love that you love Star Wars, and I love that you're listening to us. So thank you very, very much. One last Star Wars news. We're going to watch. We're going to watch it, but you're going to listen to it. A quick little update for Resistance. They got some of the cast down and they talked to them about oh, how excited they are about what's happening with their characters and stuff like that. So we're going to listen to that just for a little bit. So here is some Resistance news.
0: How long have you been asking Dave Filoni for a part in Star Wars?
5: I've never asked Dave Filoni for a part in Star Wars. No? There's going to be stories told. There are rumors out there. The truth of the matter is I've never asked Dave for a part in Star Wars.
0: Did you have a moment where you thought, I'm in Star Wars, I'm part of Star Wars now?
5: I have a moment like every 15, 20 minutes. I woke up today super pumped and excited to come sit in a chair for nine (laughs) hours, like, (laughs) because I get
3: to talk about
5: something that means a lot to me.
0: What are you most excited for fans to see about Kaz? What aspect of his personality are you most excited to share? I think
5: the growth. We're all going to go on this journey with him. We're going to experience everything with him firsthand. But with that, we're going to really open many, many doors in the Star Wars lore. The fans are going to be immersed in the experience with Kat, so I'm very excited for them to see what happens. How would you
0: describe Tam? Tam has a hard exterior, but very tender and actually quite gentle inside. She is feisty and doesn't take anything from anyone. She's outspoken. And she aspires to be a pilot. So she's kind of cool. What was your first reaction when you read the first script and when you saw what your character was going to look like? When I heard the character's name was Hyphaizon, I was like, oh.
3: Me, okay. <laughs> no, but I was very excited actually because we don't know much about Rodians, and you're gonna learn some things about hype. And his skills behind the stick.
0: As a comedian, how do you translate your sense of humor into the character?
5: It's hard because I feel like as a Star Wars fan, humor in the Star Wars universe is tricky. You don't want to be the not funny one in the Star Wars (laughs) universe. We don't want to be that anywhere, but like especially in the Star Wars universe. I'll get nervous before going into voiceover sessions for Orca because it meant so much. All right. There you have it. Can't
3: wait for this. This comes out very, very soon. Next week, I believe, right, Eric?
2: Uh, Correct. Yeah. And yeah. I am really looking forward to it. I am hoping that my kids dig it so that I can have it on constantly. It just it looks so fun and it looks the animation's cool, the colors pop. It I just think it's gonna be a good time. I do too. And I love how the actors are so pumped up about this. I love how I know
3: some of the actors. <laughs> also. Not yeah, that, that, you know, I, obviously we do Freddie Prince Jr., but this one I know
2: actually more than one, so I'm very excited. Yeah, I really like uh, Donald Faison. I've always liked him because I was a big, big Scrubs guy. So oh, he's great. He's seeing him great. in there is really cool.
3: And naming the character after him is yeah. super cool. Super cool. <laughs> and we're going to be in New York when this thing comes out. So hopefully we get to, to catch it in the time we're crashing out at Mr. Mike Pappas' house. By the way, people who are, are going to be attending New York Comic Con, get ready because half the Sith list is going to be there. and But we're going to be parting for all. Four of us. So I just want to let yes, you, you are. know. So expect phone calls again, Boo, and expect even crazier phone calls this time, Mr. Eric Struthers.
2: <laughs> uh, okay. We are going to be with a huge I'm contingent ready.
3: of all of our friends and some of our listeners. and It's going to be a good, good time. And hopefully we'll get to watch Resistance and talk about it. <laughs> Anything else in the Star Wars news you want to talk about, Mr. Struthers, or are we all good? No, man, I'm good. Okay. Let's get into some random schmiels. Now, we got the honor today to have lunch with one Sal Perales, who's been on the podcast, who is part of the Making Star Wars podcast network, on Now This Podcasting. Les and I got to go down to a video game restaurant bar, sit down, and just shoot the shit with Sal, which was amazing. We were lucky enough to work right next to where he lives. The reason I bring this up is because we were watching... On the screens, all kinds of stuff, like Fortnite and Destiny. Yeah, a lot of uh, Twitch streams. A lot of uh,
4: Twitch streams. Gameplay, basically. Online gameplay. Yeah. That's cool.
3: And Nintendo Switch is now online, and it's live. It's a pay service, and you get access to a collection of great games for the Nintendo Entertainment System, otherwise known as NES. At launch, these games included everything from Super Mario Bros. and Yoshi to Legends of Zelda, River City Ransom, stuff like that. Another nine games now are planned to launch before year two, which include Tournament Golf, Ninja Gaiden, which was a great game, and uh, Warriors Woods. This article on Blend, which I frequently canvass, I guess you could say, has some suggestions on what they want to see added. And looking at these lists, even Boo has probably played these games, and I know Eric has. I was very surprised to see some of these because I haven't seen these games in such a long time. And when I saw these, I was like really excited. So I wanted them to talk a little bit about what they think needs to be added. Number one, Punch-Out!!
1: Eleven world-class contenders. Take them down with
3: your controller, beat them all, and you've got a shot at Tyson's title. Play, play, play. No nice. And Boo, I want you to say yes or no if you've played it, okay?
5: I've played Punch-Out!! Yes. Okay,
3: great. Well, fighting games didn't really take up until the next generation of consoles. Punch-out for the NES was a great boxing game that introduced many of the genre's key components. The next one, Contra.
1: Three-way scroll. High position visual. Sound selective mode. It's a super AV
5: action. Contra. Yes, of course, of course man. Yeah.
3: Contra was one of the first hell-yeah games to launch for the NES, boasting a pair of muscle-bound commandos who toted big guns that fired a never-ending stream of bullets at oceans of enemies. Was Contra up, up, down, left, right? I was about to say, I think I remember the cheat code for Unlimited Lives. Yeah,
4: Left, right, A, B, A, B. That's right. The code is life. The code is life, that's right. With at least Contra, you're going to have to hope they allow that code, right? They have to. They have to. have to. Now I must tell you guys right now, there is a code on Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Uh huh. I remember. Where you enter that code and it takes you straight to uh, Super Macho Man. It helps you. It oh yeah. Super, Man. Super yes. Macho yes. Man. Yes, Man. It yes, gives yes. you the uppercuts, the the stars, mm-hmm. and you can hit him, and then you automatically fight Mike Tyson. Like after like. Yeah, I remember that. Code. Seconds. I remember that code. And Mike Tyson whoops the shit out of you. Yeah, you can't mm-hmm. beat Mike Tyson. <laughs> Mike Tyson whoops the well, he whooped the day. shit out of everybody, Mike so, so of might as well whip the shit out of us back then. My brother got a knocked down once, and then we never beat him.
3: <laughs> You're was, like, wait, we I won. Wonder if, yeah. I wonder if that was a legend. Does anybody beat Mike Tyson? I remember when Mike Tyson's punch-out came, he was beatable. Because there was Mike Tyson's punch-out after punch-out, wasn't it? No, it should just be. It was just Mike Punch Tyson's Out, and Mike out. Tyson was on it. Yeah, yes. Oh, Mike Tyson I was it, a, was, it a, was Mike, Mike, Tyson's, Mike punch Tyson's Punch Out, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay, okay. Well, the next one's Kirby's Adventure, which I don't remember. Who's Kirby? Behind the flabby facade, a physical powerhouse,
1: a street fighter, a weapons expert. He's whatever the situation demands. In Kirby's Adventure, evil king dating stolen Dreamlands dreams. Now Kirby's fighting to get him back. Level by nightmarish level. That's Kirby. He's cute. you cross him, then he's one tough cream puff. Kirby's Adventure on NES.
3: Nope. That was the very first one. Uh, Do you remember Kirby, this one? Yeah, Eric? I
4: played, the, I played
3: this one. You have? No. Introduced the no, Pink Puffballs copy ability, meaning players could choose to use enemies they sucked up as projectile weapons or steal one of their special characteristics, one of the first games to do that. This one I remember very well because I was a huge fan of the game 720 in the arcade. Me, Me too. It was a very hard game, and if you start sucking at the game, bees would come after you, and they would say, Skate or Die. Well, I remember Nintendo made a game called Skate or Die.
0: Skate or Die. I have events that pitch you against a friend or bionic Lester.
3: Which wasn't 720, mm. but it was super fun. The game boasted a collection of five elements, including high jump, freestyle, downhill race, a downhill jam, and even a pool joust. These were, were all pretty tricky to master, encouraging, repetitive play. I remember I got really good at this game, and I killed it, and I beat it. It was one of my first games I've ever beaten stuff. Next game, Metal Gear. Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> yes. yep. Yeah,
3: yeah. The original Gear is perhaps the best known as being the game that would eventually lead to Metal Gear Solid and all of its brilliant yet street-rat-crazy sequels. So, Metal Gear Solid, if you played that, this was the original. The, I don't remember have... this one. The next one is Gradius. Let's players fly across alien worlds, destroying mechanical enemies and installations. Life Force boasted a more organic aesthetic that felt far more overworldly. Don't remember that at all.
4: Um, I played that one. It's like, uh, what is it, Raiden? Raiden, and, Raiden was cool, and it's uh, you but you're fighting aliens with your jet, so you you know you can pick up the. It's like Contra, but it's basically in space, and you're in a spaceship. Gotcha, blasted away.
3: Burger Time is the next one. Burger Time, is was ah, yes. oh, the best. I love this one. Burger Time is a beloved platform puzzle game that mixes Donkey Kong with Night of the Living Dead.
1: Introducing Burger Time, the home video
3: game where you're a chef being chased by food that constantly disagrees with you. Like hot dogs that have a taste for revenge. Burger Time! You remember this one at all, boot? Not at all, but it sounds pretty funny. It's pretty great, too. It was a lot of fun. And the last three, we have Castlevania 3. You left him for dead in Konami's Castlevania.
1: How foolish to presume he perished without leaving her curse.
3: Made up of lack of exploration with solid mechanics, insanely good soundtrack, legendary monsters, a plenty, and the ability to play as several assist characters. Castlevania 3. And one of the great ones, Mega Man 2. Mega Man 2. Fight your way through stages of play as you attempt to defeat the villainous mm-hmm. Dr. Wily. Mm-hmm. Features great maps to yes. dash and leap your way through, a variety of enemies to learn, fantastic
5: boss fights, and one of the best soundtracks of all time. Yeah, those those boss battles were pretty much all the Mega Man games they've had some of the best just uh boss fights they have ever yeah super cool and
3: the last but not least and I remember this game because I had a ton of fun playing this game RC Pro-Am play RC Pro-Am play with power
1: pull up to the start taste the challenge the power of radio control if you
3: can't take it you'll need dust radio control Pro-Am only from Nintendo Mm -hmm. Another lesser-known game, RC Prom was the best racing game to appear on Nintendo's first home console. Do you remember this one, Eric? At all? You played as remote control cars, and you—it was your off-roading. You had a great time. It was the best. I used to—I used to buy remote control cars, put them together, and do all that stuff during this time. It was so cool. So there is your list. It was your top ten that they Cinema Blend wants to see on the Switch. And I uh, talking to Sal today, he raved about this thing. And he's, he, he said the best part of the Switch and having these old school Nintendo games is that you can sit down with your son, like he did, and just get out and play a game instantly. With the new games today, that's almost impossible. No. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to know everything about that game, the tricks to the game, the different strategies to the game. So it's not like you can just pick a game, go after a boss, and kill it. And I thought that was a, that was a really good point. And, uh, we miss that in games and hopefully games like this and consoles like this bring, bring those back. Well, the issue is
4: what we talked about earlier was it's one thing to play a co-op mission and to be able to play just missions with, with people, but the, the appeal is in the multiplayer aspect of gaming now. So that's why yeah. Fortnite is such a huge thing. So it's kind of tough to say, Hey, we're, you know, me and my son are going to, or, you know, you and your kid are going to jump out there and play. Team squads on Fortnite, and you have no clue what you're doing, and you're just getting murdered left and right. And you look up, and you only have like one kill in 35 deaths. People are gonna be like, "Get this guy out of here!" So, yeah, it just makes things a little tough.
3: What's interesting is I always said, like, why would I sit there and watch somebody play a video game? I don't find that amusing at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get it. But going there today on those screens was nothing but Fortnite and people playing on real time and this guy named ninja who's the best of all best allegedly i sat there and i enjoyed it i sat there and i enjoyed it i thought it was fun i thought it was cool so there's definitely something to it twitch and switch and it's gotten me the itch oh Oh, wow look at you yeah thank you thank you very much
5: are you a big fan boo of sitting there and watching other people play not the biggest fan there's been times where like, I'll, um, I'll say, I need to get a game. I'm going to get a game. I'm going to get a game. And then eventually months pass and I'm like, well, fuck, I'm, I don't want to play it now. So I'll watch somebody play it and get like the single player story that I wanted to play and watch somebody else do it and get the entertainment out of that. Uh, multiplayer wise, not so much like, like as far as like the pro guys or the guys that are really good, like ninja and stuff like that. No. I mainly go for like personality, like somebody who's going to make me laugh or, you know, somebody who's, uh, you know, teaching me something or something like that. But am I really into it? Not too much, no. Okay. You're, no. you're
3: pretty much like me. Yeah. I will say, when I played Red Dead Redemption back in the day with Les, and we sat there and we tried to play the game and we take turns, I did get a kick out of watching Les play the campaign because it was pretty much like a movie. Yeah. So that was really cool.
4: I'm playing uh, Batman. Oh, or playing Batman oh Arkham in 3D. My God. In
3: in old school red and blue 3D, remember? Yes, yes. Oh, that was fun. That was really cool. Now, I uh we talked about the Bumblebee trailer and I know we're not huge fans of um the latest Transformer films. This last trailer that I saw that just came out, I was pretty excited. Yes. I thought that this is one of the best trailers that Transformers had in 3 films. So we are going to play this trailer because there might be some surprises in it that we didn't think. Voices, just like the Darth Vader one, there's some voices that we didn't think we're going to hear. Mm-hmm. So let's watch it.
5: I'm Charlie Watson.
3: I'm 18. Hi, Charlie. Today, Hi
1: Charlie. Actually,
3: <laughs> is for sale. kid. Bumblebee, Have a John face. Hughes coming of age film. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. So she's looking under the beetle, and she sees Bomby's eyes. Transformers are not having sex. That's Bomby. So Transform. I love how they
2: look. I just...
3: It's
2: just so much like. Here's the deal like how it's, it's supposed be to be like a better way to say it. it like the g oh, yeah. the g1 right the g1
3: yeah
5: you can throw yourself around is me oh i'm i'm good now i'm good thanks
3: i like her too she's cute she's a cool
5: actress yeah what do you see there less there's a war raging on up dude this this criminal isn't found that war may find its way is there
3: anyone that can help you you have a family Hope be. Every hero has a
5: beginning. They're calling an army.
4: I've seen first. Oh hand, my gosh!
2: Look at Starstream.
1: Starstream.
2: Bumblebee. This one. There is
1: only one way to end this war. You must protect Earth and its people. Take it down. Oh. oh.
3: I don't know why we didn't get this in the first trailer. This is how we stop them. You've got me. A lot of action, a lot of cool looking action. I'm not going anywhere. Did you hear that noise, by the way? The sound, the original sound. Did you hear that sound? Oh. And he's trying to get in through a doggy door, which is very cute. This part is funny.
4: Oh, my goodness.
3: Okay, so it's coming out this Christmas. There you have (sighs) Bumblebee, the second trailer, which should have been the first trailer because it's so freaking great. Oh my God, that's great. That's great. So you listened to us freak out. We freaked out a bit because we saw some things that we hadn't seen in a Transformers film, I don't think, ever. Ever, right? On a film? No, a live-action film, no. No, a live-action film we have not seen. And these are the things that people have wanted in a Transformers film forever. And I want to get Les's reaction first because Les flipped out and threw his earphones off and made some crazy noises and stuff like that. What's your take on this, Mister Gonzalez? Damn, so, speechless. I'm emotional right now. I'm actually, are you? I have Watery eyes right now.
4: Okay. Because my favorite transformer is Bumblebee. Soundwave. <laughs> I know. And I know. The tapes. And how did he look? And he looks. Amazing,
3: dude! Please talk louder. We're on a podcast. I'm so sorry. You know I, I really
4: apologize, everyone. I everybody. don't want to have to do post production. all to hell, noises. man! They are doing what we asked for twelve years ago. Yep. Well, probably, probably more than that. Probably more than that. And I'm fine. I'll take it because this was amazing. And to see Soundwave, knowing that Laserbeak, Frenzy, Ravage, Rumble, Let's uh, not get crazy. We don't know if all those guys are going to be on. They're inside him. He has the tapes, well, so he has to be able to deploy them. Uh, but we don't know. If but now I'm kind of. Anxious because he's not in any of these in the other Bayformer movies. No, he's not. I hope they don't remember this is a prequel. I hope they don't kill him off.
3: But ultimately, all the trans OG Transformers. Did you see even Optimus Prime's hologram? Yes, is OG. Yes, and you hear the noise. Me and Eric were like, Oh my god, a lot of
4: the older that's the noise Transformers in their actual incarnations in this trailer, which means we are gonna get what we've always asked for. as, as, grown up kid adults i don't know how Transformer sex dude.
3: we're going to get Transformer sex
4: that too i'll take it
3: <laughs> that was amazing all right i'm going to go i'm going to go with Boo Lass
2: cuz he might be a sourpuss on this one Boulass. eric what'd you think about this i loved it i didn't really think i was going to be excited at all for this the michael bay transformer movies just really didn't do it for me i mean i i watched the first one and thought hey th- this could go somewhere but meh but dude this it was lit I loved it. Look at you using the word lit.
3: Lit. When something
4: is turned up or popping. Contrary to popular belief, lit was a term used to describe mild
2: intoxication. It was often used by blues and jazz musicians in the 40s, 50s, and 60s to describe the sweet spot in which someone was drunk enough to relax and play better without being wasted
0: in suffering motor skill impairment.
2: I loved the Transformers when I was a kid, and this so just giant. like hit all the feels. Yeah, this was exactly. And I, I, I'm all I'm going to
3: say is I agree 100% with Eric. Hit all the feels, gave me goosebumps again, made me think of watching the cartoon and G1 Transformers. That's right. It's so cool. And this is what everybody's been complaining about for a long time. Mike Pappas, who's a major, major Transformer fan, Johnny Grosso, who's a major Fernando Transformer Alba. Guy. Yeah. Ed, the, Fernando Alba? This, yeah. Fernando Alba, yeah. All those guys who love Transformers, I think. I hope they enjoyed this. Let's go to Carlos Buhrgwal.
5: So let me let me start off. It does look good. It did it does look better the second trailer looks better than the first and it's adding more to the movie and I'm actually excited for it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm not going to be a sourpuss as far as the yeah, whole you're not thing. A sourpuss then? No. Uh it does look good. Yeah, you are right. The actress in the movie, her character looks like you want to watch her and like help her. Exactly. Yeah. Like like she seems very real, very genuine. You know, like uh, Shia LaBeouf did a good job, but you weren't really, really that attached with her. I already feel a sense of atta- uh, of attachment, kind of thing. So that's nice. That's a very good job. Bumblebee looks cool. I never liked the bug. I never did. Oh, okay. I'll I'll just put that out there. But it's a fucking transformer. You know, decades down the line, these will still be incredible movies visually. People will go back and be like, these these were something to marvel at. Still. Kind of thing. True. So True. even the shittiest ones are amazing visually. Yes, exactly. That that the whole transformation sequence. You know, the first time it happens, it doesn't matter. It's always incredible. You're just like, holy shit, this is incredible. You're just like, my god. So yeah. So there's always that. But I I don't know why. Here comes the butt, y'all. Yeah, here comes the big ass butt. I have a feeling, a gut feeling we're not going to get that much cybertron we're not going to get that much g1 uh, battle going on soundwave and optimus prime and stuff like that we're not going to get any optimus prime other than the hologram i have a feeling okay but yeah but i think i think what you'll you know, what we'll see of the war on cybertron is flashbacks yep. very small sequences yeah. nothing to go oh my god about so That's, you're
3: you're you're more of a fan of, of watching the wars go on in in cybertron
5: yeah, I would love to watch the war, the war on Cybertron. Absolutely. Okay. But I do All not right. think that we're going to get that much of it. We'll get glimpses, we'll get flashback clips, maybe like a after credit sequence, something like that. But I right. think it should be very minimal. That's that's okay. what I'm afraid so that's, of. That's not too bad of a complaint.
0: No, it's, yeah. it's that's just, just
3: what you are expecting out of the movie, and you're probably not going to get that. And you're probably right. You're not going to probably get yeah, that. It's, it's going to be more of a coming-of-age yeah. film yeah. type yeah. of thing. That's well, what it looks yeah, like this to me. Is, it this just sucks like to say. Yeah,
4: the, the war on Cybertron was going down, and then Bumblebee happened to be the first Autobot to land. Yes. And he's, he's a war to stem
3: the tide of Decepticons. Exactly. So. Exactly. And if I'm not mistaken, that sounded like Angela Bassett's voice. As yeah. one of the transformers, that was trying to find bubblebee I'll
5: I'll look into that. Maybe the Crack Team can look into that. But that's what it sounds like. Key like, question. Key yeah. question. This is probably be the answer to the movie. How are they? How is Optimus Prime already a truck if he's still in Cybertron? Great question. And, and how is I, how is Soundwave a uh, a boombox if he's still in Cybertron? I'm sure that if, I, I'm just asking now. Yeah, that makes did, sense. That hopefully, makes the movie answers it. Yeah. But I'm just – that was one of my questions. I was like, right. it's great to see them great like question. that, but Optimus Prime comes to Earth, and he looks just like a robot, and then he finds the truck, and what is it? Scans it and becomes the truck.
3: Right.
4: Well, maybe that hologram was scanning for him for the OG one.
5: Perhaps, yeah. Interesting.
3: Uh, yeah, no. That, maybe that's just back to the future like Doc Brown.
5: Oh, shit. <laughs> that's heavy, Doc. Yeah.
3: Cool. Well, I, I'm uh, excited about it, and I haven't said that about a Transformers film since the first one, so – um, well done, whoever. And I'll give credit to Michael Bay if it's a good film. I'll I'll give him credit. Michael Boom Boom Bay. Michael Boom Boom. Looks like it's more Boom Boom from the heart <laughs> than, the, wow. than the blowing
4: up things. Wow. Hey, and, and John Cena actually looks good as.
3: The, By the way, John Cena was in. We didn't mention he's evil, He's becoming the, the second Captain rock, an Ahab like.
5: But you, you can't see John Cena though. Nice.
3: Okay, let's move on to. Um, I have a bone to pick with Wreck-It Ralph, and wow. I want to
5: start a boycott. <laughs> wow.
3: There's been prevalent questions about the premise of Wreck-It Ralph and the gathering of princesses, Disney princesses, and then the trailer looks pretty pretty cool, pretty funny. Fans are wondering why Princess Leia isn't included in this grouping. And I was wondering also. But co-director Richard Moore has a very straightforward explanation for this choice. This is what he had to say. It's coming out of The Hollywood Reporter. We decided, I mean, there are a lot of princesses that are from Disney movies that are not part of the canonized Disney princesses. You know, and I don't know how they're chosen. I don't know how it goes on. I think it's kind of like the Vatican where smoke comes out of a chimney and Moana is now a Disney princess. So we decided we're going to use the canonized group of princesses known as Disney princesses. Not that we don't love Princess Leia. And I like how they put these ones in there. Like they're as big as Princess Leia. So, let me read it again. Not that we don't love Princess Leia and Kida from Atlantis. I think Atlantis made $40. The lost That's a fantastic
5: movie. It's you, a good movie. I'm you not going to watch your
3: Michael mouth. J. I'm not, hey, I'm just saying it made $40. Okay. And All Meg right. from Hercules and Esmeralda from the Hunchback of Notre Dame or Notre Dame, depending on where part of the country you're from. We But we decided we're going to go with the official Disney princesses. I will say to you, Richard Moore, fuck you. Wow. And I'm going to boycott <laughs> wow. this movie because... Princess Leia should be one of the princesses. So, you and your team of producers are ready to make this film. Yes, me and my team of producers are going to redo this film, and we're going to get another studio to back this up. And Eric Struthers is going to do the music for us via his amazing guitar playing. Cool, I'm I'm up for it. Okay,
5: yeah this this was a bit of a misstep. I think he should have not said anything. She should have been in the movie as, yes. as, a, as like a, as like a, oh shit, Princess Leia's in the movie, like a surprise. Right. Kind of thing. Or maybe. Uh, How I, cool I, would that have been? Yeah. For people, everybody. People would have lost their minds, you know, kind of thing. Star yeah. Wars
3: is very prevalent in this film. Understood. Yes. And maybe
4: have. Uh, and I don't, I don't know why know, we're talking would, about Wreck and Ralph
3: this long, but I, I just wanted Leigh to
4: make this point. Okay Boycott Wreck and Ralph. Room, dude. I just don't think she'd be okay full of, in a room full of. Mm-mm. other Disney princesses.
5: Oh, no, 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 no not she'd in that
4: room. Ba- she'd be extremely uncomfortable. Oh, I see what you're saying. She'd step away. up and say, what do you guys... Well, well, the character- I, I think she'd just probably murder like half of them and be like, I'm Damn, tired of this man. crap, and then just it's blast her way out of there and That's be done true. with this force choke all of them because by now she's oh yeah she there, has dude. the force yeah. and this <laughs> is the right.
3: portion of the podcast where we're reaching for content
4: that's right her and merida would be like her merida and, mulan, and uh mulan would be like let's just wipe everybody out and get out of here dude was this kill bill just, fuck kill bill version of the princesses
5: here, <laughs> yeah god damn the princesses ain't about nothing let's do this what is it was it mulan is cotton mouth yeah is that what's going on <laughs> that's right we have a kingsman
3: 3 some news. I, oh. I didn't even know they were doing a Kingsman 3 because Kingsman 2 was so bad yeah, that was in my opinion. According to Exhibitor Relations, I don't know what that is, but according to them, Fox's untitled Kingsman movie which is presumably Kingsman 3 is set to release just over a year from now on November 8, 2019. On top of that, writer-director Matthew Vaughn who I really like, is set to return to pen the screenplay and direct the film thus completing the trilogy. There isn't an official plot description yet but we know that Matthew Vaughn was planning Kingsman 3 while working
5: on Kingsman 2. He and should have just worked on Kingsman 2 before planning on <laughs> I, Kingsman 3. I completely
3: three. agree because Kingsman 2 was not very good at oh, Fuck. Know. What is getting a lot of hubbub, and we've talked about it the last two weeks, mm-hmm. is this new Halloween that's coming out. And there's a new trailer. And I don't know if you guys... This is the trailer episode, by the way, guys. I don't know if ah. you've seen Abu. I don't know if you've seen it, Eric. I sent you a message to look at it. I uh, did. I and Les, have you seen the new trailer? Yes. I don't we've, think you have. But we're gonna watch it right now
2: and I loved how old school it felt. What'd you think about the trailer, Eric, before we watch it? I really dug it, man, and there was actually a spot in there that kinda gave me a jump scare. Ooh, okay. That's awesome.
3: So let's uh, uh I think I know what Eric's talking about. Let's uh watch this thing.
2: On Halloween, 1963, in Haddonfield... I in love morning, this open. Six-year-old mm-hmm. Michael Myers murdered his own sister in cold blood. But it was 15 years later, on Halloween, 1978, that the legend of the Myers murders was born.
0: Golly. Having escaped
2: protective custody, Michael returned to Haddonfield, where he brutally... we
3: were watching and like, these true-crime-looking black-and-white and stills. And yeah. Laurie
1: Strode as the sole survivor. Sir, Laurie all these years I love this part do you think possessed Michael to go on this killing spree?
3: we actually see Michael Myers without his mask movie? for a little he's bit
1: no. well, you should that's my In favorite <gasps> town Michael Myers is a myth no ghost story to scare kids oh, what's <laughs> the is oh. right.
3: now he's back puts on his mask <laughs> evil my escaped will be unmasked but he will be killed tonight can you close the door goes closing the door doesn't close oh hi michael Ugh. <laughs> oh, dude
2: dude yeah that is yeah it was freaky. that spot at the end it with was the, the closet door very the, cool the the placement of him relative to the door was perfect oh. It looks like it's well done,
3: and that's all I want is it to be well done, and that's what it looks like. So very cool. Jamie Lee
2: Curtis is crushing it in that trailer. She yes, sure
4: she is. is. She sure is. She's owning
3: all of it, dude. It's amazing. Yeah.
2: It's, I can't wait Good for this. For her.
3: And I can't wait. I, I hate it when scary movies come out um, right before Halloween. Like, uh, like, Well, not right before. I love it when they come out right before Halloween or during Halloween, but some of them come out like October 2nd. You know what I mean? And you're like, why would not you just wait yeah, a couple of sure. weeks? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is perfect. I think it's coming out like a week before or that weekend or something. So uh, I can't wait to see this.
4: Okay, so looking at that trailer, she when she opens her armory of shotguns, yeah, that's like when we were kids and I'd be like, man, I have all kinds of guns ready to kill me, some Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> she like throws it over like, hell yeah, that's me right there, but you can't kill Michael Myers. She went from a,
3: <laughs> using a wire hanger To uh, all those shotguns. That's right. (laughs) All right. So that was your Halloween trailer. Check it out. And it's going to be a good one. Now, going into some comic book TV movie news. Like I said before, Les and I are heading to New York and we have the opportunity to sit down, I believe. We have something planned to sit down with a team of artists and some publishers that is releasing a great new comic that's out called Neon Future. And this is from the Two-time Grammy-nominated international producer, Steve Yoki, who just released a trailer, which is beautiful, by the way. I checked yes. it out today. It's going to be a comic book series which features musical elements from the next installment of his actual album. If you don't know who Stevie Yoki is, he's an EDM DJ. He produces music. He's an unbelievable talent, and he's bringing that talent over to comic books. And it's coming out. The first issue is coming out on October 4th at New York Comic Con. They're going to actually have it out there. And a the little synopsis of it is, Neon
4: Future is set roughly 30 years in the future in an america that has outlawed advanced technology a civil war is brewing between the augmented which is an oppressed class of people who have chosen to integrate technology into their bodies and the authentic who have not the resistance movement neon future is led by the mysterious kita sove basically he's modeled after steve Steve Aoki. aoki who strives to bring peace by showing the world a brighter future in harmony with technology the series is a compelling character driven sci fi story that chronicles the dangers of unchecked power and the limitless nature of human potential.
3: All right. Thank you, Les. That was nice. Okay, so guys, check out neonfuture.com. Hopefully we get a chance to sit down and talk to some people that are behind this thing and we're going to interview them and we are going to uh, ask them all kinds of cool questions. And Sounds we'll, awesome. Well, yeah, we'll bring it. Go to the go to YouTube and put neon future and check out the trailer that was out today. It is beautiful art and the panels are amazing. And it looks like it's been done really, really well. I know some of the people that are behind it are Eisner Award winners, which are pretty much the Oscars of comic books. Yes. So, he has a very talented crew behind this thing. So, check out Neon Future. Next set of news, Birds of Prey. The movie finally has a release date. Arriving just three months after Wonder Woman 1984, Birds of Prey will kick off the DCEU in 2020. This comes from The Hollywood Reporter. Originally, Warner Brothers had the February 14th date of that year reserved for Birds of Prey, but now the studio is delivering BOP a week earlier, and that's probably for the best because Bond was recently moved from November 9th to February 14th, 2020. Okay, we didn't get to talk about um, if Harry Cavill is in or out. We don't know. It's very ambiguous. We still don't know you know everybody seems to be has seemed to move on from Harry Caville. but he comes out with twitters tweets all the time about hey i still have my cape in the closet i'm not going anywhere who knows what the hell is going on it's just a big mess for the dc
5: that's the main universe. reason we haven't talked about it cuz there's nothing to talk about it's just a mess yeah right? it, it's hearsay at this point is he in is he out nah, 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 nah. Exactly. nobody knows shit hopefully, hopefully he's, he's still so in.
4: freaking upside down right now it right? is just, yeah but
3: it, but
5: i will say oh i will
3: say that the Joker film mm. that nobody wants. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Like, hold on. Majority of people don't want is building a little momentum.
5: Like I said,
3: and we got the first look of how the Joker is going to look and Joaqu- Joaquin Phoenix is going to look. Todd Phillips gave us the first look on Instagram, and then now we have seen all kinds of looks on how he on how his makeup is going to be, his kind of his mannerisms. Eric, I don't know if you've seen any of the footage.
2: I have not, sir. Okay.
3: it's I talked to Les about this. It's a mixture of Cesar Romero's Joker mm-hmm. and
5: John Wayne Gacy. Bobo
4: the Clown who murdered plenty of
5: people.
3: People. Yeah. Yeah. He was a that. serial killer. It looks kind of like a mixture of both those guys. I'm into it. I think he looks great. There's a scene where he's in a subway and there's tons of clowns beating up and killing people. There's panic. Yeah. And there's panic and he's just walking. And they took a still and he looks freaky. And I showed Les today and he goes, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, so,
4: solid, no, I mean, and and you get the element of that uh, agent of chaos and just, you know, I'm here to just jack shit up and laugh he, at the
3: results and yeah, laugh he, at the reaction of the
5: world. Yeah, he doesn't know why, he's just doing it, yeah.
3: There, there was one actual writer who uh, I think penned some of the, the graphic novels that mm-hmm. the Joker's been involved in. Writer Scott Schneider has been writing comics for the better part of a decade for both Marvel and DC with tons of Batman stories under his belt. He had something to say um, about the Joker. He's he's pretty much an authority on the topic. The Batman writer recently shared his opinion on Todd Phillips' Joker on Twitter saying, I feel like it shouldn't work, and yet I'm generally crazy excited for it. It seems daring, weird, and dark in a way that could be visionary. In the end, the worst offense, but Joker would be playing it safe. Boring. So I'm all in for something like this. And that's what I've been saying from day one. That even though people don't want it, and people say that we don't want to know the origin story of Joker, I think it's going to be really good. And I will stick by it. And if it sucks, I want everybody to shit on me. But I'm going to stick by this no, one. No, man. Die on your hill, dude. That's what I'm going to do. Stand
4: on that That's hill what I'm saying. And, I'm saying you can right.
3: shit on me, but I'm going to stay on this hill until I, I see it. I don't think it's going to be bad. Mark my words. It's probably going to suck. I'll be a negative Nelly. Come <sighs> on. I'm going to be a Puss. Come on. Just kidding. I am all about this one. All right. I wanted to talk a little bit about this because it looks like there's some rumors flying out there. And these are all rumors that Kit Harrington may be taking the mantle from Mr. Ben Affleck for the Batman. But here's the problem. I saw Kit Harrington recently. He's a very short man. Yeah, he's tiny. Like tiny, tiny man. Mm-hmm. He was at the Emmys and he was standing next to a <laughs> woman and <laughs> somebody was towering over him and that person wasn't very tall. How it wasn't was Brianna Tower, that's why. I mean, I love Kit Harington, the King of the North, the true King of the North. Uh, I would love him as a Nightwing. Oh, okay.
4: You know, that that's what I've always thought of him as. But, I mean, the magic of, Filming and angles and movie making nowadays, a short man can cast a very oh, tall shadow. Full circle, full so, circle, less. Year older, a year say. wiser. That's all I'm gonna say is if they were to put him, I would have no issue with him being Batman. I just don't. I don't think I could buy him as Bruce Wayne.
5: Nope.
4: Okay. Because he doesn't seem too playboyish. Like he's a good-looking dude. Did you say lover boyish, But he doesn't seem to Was like Is there another uh, lover boy reference in this? No, cuz Batman Bruce Wayne is he's just a party animal. He fakes his party animal lifestyle and he fakes all of like that. He's like, you know, got multiple women all over place. But doesn't the place. he have
3: a job? Yeah. Yeah, sure. He has a job. So you're saying that he works for the weekend. Is that what you're saying? He works for the night. I think he's night. on
4: a, an eternal weekend. Yeah, he works that. for the night. That's Nobody what he works for. works for the night.
3: Thanks, Eric, for laughing at that joke. He's waiting for the night. All right, moving on. Hey, you heard that, dude. That's Jennifer Lopez, dude. I know who it is, okay? <laughs> I'm not putting a Jennifer Lopez sample on this. <laughs> you better, dude. What? By what's the what's way, it? what's wrong with J-Lo? I'm oh, I got no problems tonight. with
5: J-Lo. I just, I just I
3: have to you know, draw the line in the sand somewhere.
5: <laughs> That's where you draw the line, is J-Lo huh? <laughs> The other things that we've talked about, the other sound bites that we've had, and JLo is just is just beyond the pale, huh? Wow. You know what? You're right. Yeah. JLo hit Jen-
1: it. For oh.
5: Jenny from the Block is just out.
3: Yeah. Uh. By the way, uh, Emily Emily Lindo Lind gave me some shit about Murphy Brown this this week because oh, yeah. I said that we don't need a Murphy Brown. Reboot or just another series and uh, she changed my mind on this one because she said that Murphy Brown is very political and this is a perfect time for Murphy Brown to come on so she can be very political during these political times. And I said, Emily, you're absolutely right because this is a great time to have a show that talks some shit on some stuff that we want to be talked shit on. That's without getting too political. Does that make sense? Sounds good. Thank you, Emily, for straightening me out and reining me back in. You know, she does
4: that a lot That's to it. all of us, huh? Sorry. She does that yeah. a lot.
2: Go ahead, Eric. She does, man. She she really kind of opened my eyes to this whole Murphy Brown thing. And I realized, Murphy Brown, I'm waiting for a girl like you. <laughs> what, we're not still doing the foreigner jokes? What the hell? There's no oh, joke, man. I just started listening it.
3: to this song in my head, just going. Ding, ding, foreigner ding, jokes.
2: Ding, we're doing ding, foreigner ding, jokes or ding, lover boy ding, jokes, buddy? Ding, ding. Didn't I thought didn't you throw hot blooded in there while you no, were working I, on your whole working for the weekend thing?
3: No, I didn't say hot blooded, but I like where
4: you're going I, with it. I mean it was cold as ice the way you dropped it. Ooh. <laughs> I like
5: it. I like it. Oh I think Les just won. Yeah, that was very good. Les give me a high five right now. That was fantastic, sir. Yeah, buddy. Oh my God! Let's call this is cold as ice. Wow! You know what?
3: You're not just my hero right now. You're a jukebox hero. I used to, uh, you forced that, but I was I was, was hoping good. we could find a way to stick that in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what. Love but is. now you want to know what love is? <laughs> no, you motherfuckers! You, suck, dude. you motherfuckers! Plus, <laughs> I just want you to show me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yikes,
2: oh my god dude people are gonna listen to this shit show and think you guys went back to like your first few episodes and they'll say oh my god this feels like the first time oh,
5: oh. Yeah. wait the very first time
2: <gasps> dude stop playing head games with me
5: wow. <laughs> wow.
3: This is, and people that don't know foreigner are going what the, the fuck is, fuck is going on about? yeah, so go down yeah dude this seat. is
2: inside information <laughs> Oh, inside
5: information! Wow. Do
3: you know that much foreigner? Where you just pull that inside information out of your ass? Wow, dude!
2: Yeah, I, I was wow. in a band with a guy who fucking loved foreigners
3: oh,
5: Okay, I was gonna
3: say that was the last one was you just pulled that one out of your ass. Wow, that was good. And I
2: just keep
4: saying urgent
2: for no reason.
3: Oh. is that what you've been saying? You yeah. I, I understand what you are <laughs> saying? Trying to throw urgent in there, but oh, yeah, <laughs> All right, let's get to uh, a voicemail from our Liege. Well, we did not know that the Dark Phoenix trailer came out before we recorded, and King Tom's voicemail has a lot to do with that. So let's play the Dark Phoenix trailer first, and then we will listen to our liege, Mr. Tom Chansky, otherwise known as King Tom.
5: You think you can fix me?
3: Jane, you are not broken. This is
1: the- Mind is a fragile thing. Takes only the slightest tap to tip it in the wrong direction. This is the end. Charles, what did you do? I had to keep her stable. I protected her.
4: From the truth?
1: There's another word for that. came looking for answers. You feel like you don't belong here. You don't.
5: They can't begin to comprehend
0: what you are.
1: She's changing. And what? You didn't come here looking for answers. You came here looking for permission. Jean. She's all rage. It's all coming out at once. Jean lost control, but she's still our friend. This is your fault, Charles. The world is on the brink. I'm sorry. I didn't stop it sooner. You're always sorry, Charles. And there's always a speech. And nobody cares. There's still hope. Don't do this. They're right to fear me. I've
0: seen evil, and I'm looking at it now. Hey Sith listeners, it's King Top. Hi, King Top. So, Hi, King Tom. you know, I'm a huge fan of the X-Men, but I, I, we got yes. this trailer coming out for Dark Phoenix, and I'm, I've been thinking, when it comes to the Fox X-Men movie series, I've got scene rights. You know, we, we've been with Fox for many years. We've had a good time, but they're kind of limping along to the end here. They're taking... One of the best X Men stories, something that needs time to develop, time to breathe, and they're jamming it all into one movie—a movie that we don't even know if it's going to be any good—and the effects of it won't matter. So, when it comes to the X Men movies, I'm ready for what's next. And you know, we kind of got a hint of that in that interview with Bob, Bob Iger, where he said that Kevin Feige would be put, put in charge of the X Men too. And that's what I'm ready for. I'm, I'm sure I'll feel different. When the movie is here in the theaters, but right now I'm ready for it to get here, move on, and this merger business to get figured out so we could start thinking about how the X-Men are going to be part of the MCU. And that's, that's one of the reasons I'm calling. I know it's too early to tell, and I know things can change, but I wanted to kind of see if you guys had any ideas on what would you want to see? You know, Would they bring in the X-Men right away, or would they make us wait? Would they have little cameos here and there, or are they just going to do the X-Men in one big movie of their own? And then also, you know, the, the Dark Phoenix saga, this is the second time they're going to tell the move, this story in a movie. Can they tell the story a third time, or, or are they going to wait decades to tell it? I don't know. It's probably too early to tell for all those, but that's what's on my mind. I love the franchise, but I'm just ready for what's Anyway, and I'm probably, I could be the only one who feels that way, but I don't know. Curious to see what you guys think. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys later.
3: Uh, thank you for listening, King Tom. Appreciate the the voicemail, like always, and appreciate the content of the voicemail. And our X Men guru, when you're not on, is (laughs) Eric Schroeder, so he's going to take this question. Go for it, Eric. Just kidding, buddy. Go ahead,
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's (laughs) me, I'm right. Yeah.
4: Uh, I I agree with you, King Tom, in the fact that I'm just ready for what's next. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I also agree with you. I don't think they can tell this a third time. Nope. Um, Dark Phoenix is one of the greatest, if not the greatest X-Men story ever written on paper other than Days of Future Past. And they performed, I will say, admirably with my shoulders shrugging for uh, Days of Future Past. They kind of told that story well. There was a lot of shoulder shrugging, I will admit. But I don't know how many... Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's time to pack it up and say, okay, let us let the merger go through, let the uh, reacquisition happen, and then go forward from there. Uh, they keep talking... Like you said, yeah, they keep bringing up the visual effects and how the effects are going to change the game and all that stuff, but I'm kind of just... Whatever, I don't really give a rip anymore. Wow. Um, that hmm? that you hurts. don't give a rip anymore? That hurts to say. No, it's real. I I just at this point when you know that it's coming home, so to speak, you mm-hmm. know, you just say, okay, let's figure it out. I personally would like. I don't know if they should do an X Men movie right away once Disney gets full control. Nope. And maybe just start sticking X Men, not as cameos, <laughs> but you know, start handing putting them on incarnations of the Avengers or combine them into you know one team and have. You know what I mean? It, like we talked about before, we have Captain Marvel and then Rogue would be a good way to transition in and, and bring the X-Men with her being there. But you can also use the military aspect with Wolverine because mm-hmm. him and Captain America have a, a very
5: close connection.
4: That's right. And also with Carol Danvers. Mm-hmm. So you can always and even Fury, you can always bring something in where, you know, Fury talks trapped to Logan and they just like look at each other. And then there it is. You know, they it's all there. So I kind of want to say I I just don't want to get to the point where I'm 85 years old and they finally do this shit right. (laughs) But other than that, yeah, I I fully agree with you in that regard. Just let's get on to the next thing and just get it over with.
3: All right. Well, thank you, Les. And thank you, King Tom. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. We have an email from OG Rob, our boy Rob. Hey, Sithless, Just want to let you know that Steve Gutenberg was on Ballers the last two seasons. He played a rich guy, Vegas guy trying to move the Raiders. Hmm. Better, Hmm. Way better looking than the actual owner of the Raiders, I will, I will cool. say. I didn't know that Steve Gutenberg was in Ballers. I've only watched three episodes of Ballers, and <laughs> I didn't know. But Les has watched Ballers, and he yes. didn't mention last week that Steve Gutenberg was on it. So I didn't, this is, uh, all comes you know down what? on Les.
4: Because he's not the Steve Gutenberg that was in an awesome photo that someone put up on Twitter.
3: Oh, yeah. We had a, a, a little conversation Very hairy-chested. Steve Gutenberg <laughs> Made me think of Boo when I saw it. That's funny. Also, just in case Les has any issues on the planes in New York City, just put a B.A. Baracus and knock him out with a monkey wrench or slip him a Mickey. <laughs> that's true. <right>. That'd be <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> be, he, dude, he's as big as B.A. Baracus, that's for sure. Have a good time at Comic-Con, OG Rob. Well, thank you, OG Rob. We appreciate it. And I cannot wait to see Mr. Les Gonzalez on a plane because the last time he was on a plane, it was just one of his first times ever on a plane. And I know he's terrified of flying. So I stood up and I let the entire plane know that everybody was behind him and he was terrified and everybody supported him. So they cheered for him. It It was a nice moment. Some dude
4: just like did a crossword puzzle next to me and then leaned back and started falling asleep and looked at me and gave me a wink like, it's all good, bro. And I'm like. White knuckle the whole fucking time. Yeah, White so. knuckle.
3: <laughs> that's the most exciting part of this trip for me is the having you on the plane right next to me. Oh yeah, enjoying yeah. my phobia. No, right, you, you should have. Right, that's right. You should have had him sit
5: by himself.
3: Uh, he is gonna, actually. I, he's sitting in the aisle. I'm he's sitting in the window. Bottle up my my sweat and sell that shit. Literal fear in a bottle. That's yeah. Right. All right, Arad. Just see how you treat me. Dude. No, dude. No, I'm there nah, to support you. <laughs> we'll get drunk before we get on, and we're gonna end the podcast tonight. With an email from another first-time emailer, and Mr. Gonzalez is going to read this one as well. So go ahead, buddy. This is from Nathaniel, by the way.
4: All right. Hello, Sith listeners. My name is Nathaniel Gold, and we have a friend in common, Fernando Alba. What's up, Fernando? Hey, any friend of Fernando
3: is a friend of ours.
4: He turned me on to you guys about six months ago, and I have been hooked ever since. I'm coming today to you today with a compliment, a question, and a shameless plug. Ooh, okay. Oh. I
3: like it. I like
4: it. Compliment. I think you guys are one of the best podcasts out there because you don't stick to one fandom. Although you focus heavily on Star Wars, which I love, you're also not afraid to tackle anything including the Beatles and Zeppelin. Yes. find this very refreshing. Keep up the good work. Well,
3: that's very nice of you, buddy. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Question.
4: With all the talk on the Joker film, it got me thinking about who is my favorite Joker, and I would love to hear yours. Believe it or not, I most prefer Jerome from Gotham. I know it's crazy because they never actually call him the Joker, but I feel he brings the campiness of Cesar Romero with the psychotic feel of Heath Ledger. Would love to hear your thoughts.
3: Hold on. Let's give him some thoughts real quick. I love Jerome from Gotham. He's the best part of Gotham, in my opinion. They're not really calling him Joker. You're right. But maybe, just maybe, this Joaquin Phoenix that we talked about can capture his Joker and Cesar Romero's Joker. Because it looks like him, kind of. And maybe, maybe we got a winner here. But I agree with you, buddy. Uh, Mine would be Mark Hamill. That's true. Yes. Yeah. And so would Booz. Yeah. And I know Eric all, all the, Mark uh, Hamill as well. His voice. Yes. Yeah. He is yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And that, amazing.
4: And I mean across all the platforms because yeah. even his voice acting in, in the, Gotham, the Arkham games, Arkham games were amazing. Spot on, yeah. is spot on. And the animation and the maneuver, mm-hmm. yeah, just the, it all works. And Mark Hamill just brings it to another level. Yep.
3: To tell is, you the truth, Les, I think the... some People are going to kill me. The Mark Hamill in the games is a little bit more terrifying for me because his character looks terrifying in the games more so than he did in the... Right. No, the his
4: character anime. looks terrifying and then... He so, was straight evil in those games. Yeah, and with yeah. Ledger and all of them and I understand for uh, Jerome like he starts to bring the, the laughter but Mark Hamill is... Because the Joker is literally laughing all the time. Mm-hmm. like All the time. And Mark Hamill... Nails it. He yep, freaking nails it every single time. He's so, the best. He's the best. That's us. I think what us three agree on that. Damn right. You, you too, Eric. Yes. Okay. See. So, uh, oh, yeah. maybe we're just talking live action. Well, I mean, that's what you have to get because performance. Mm-hmm.
3: Is, I mean, comic wise, Joker's just Joker. Yeah. yeah. But performances, everyone has done what they've. But that's done. not true, really, right? Just, there's there's graphic novels that Joker's like Birds of Prey is a different Joker than the Killing Joke Joker in a way. Uh, no. Okay, thanks not, for shitting on that not, one.
4: Not really. It's just Joker and it's like, "Oh shit. The Joker's here." And once you start hearing the laughing or seeing
5: this Oh scene,
3: yeah, that's true, but I'm saying some of the oh, yeah, aspects of his
5: character Yeah, they're, they're, there's more times that he's more sadistic than others. Yeah, there's that's more what I'm times saying. where he's more playful than others. Yeah, there's been times that where he The joke, killing Joker is nasty. Yeah, like there there's one where he tried to copyright fish. Like like f- his face on fish. Right, and then there's another time where he skins a man uh-huh. alive and tosses him out and says, "Don't fuck with me. I'm exactly. back." That's what I'm thing. saying. So there's yeah, different so there's... levels of Joker. Yes, but but you don't know whether or not he's gonna copyright fish or he's gonna skin a dude. That's that, the thing. that's the
4: written Joker. Yeah, it's yes. so unpredictable. Yes, word. whereas. Mark was going to give you the giggles. Yeah, but what I'm saying, in
3: Arkham, Ar- he was more of that Joker, not the Giggles Joker. He was the Giggles Joker, but he was sadistic and crazy as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Uh, shameless plug time. <clears throat> shameless plug time. I wanted to let you and your audience
4: know about my comic. It's called The Chimp with the Brown Hat, and it's live on Kickstarter right now.
3: Cool. And then, listen, we don't normally do this, but since you're a friend of Fernando's, buddy, yes. and you listen to us now, let's do it. <laughs> The book is a sci-fi western about a chimpanzee that wakes up in the desert in the
4: Old West with a robotic hand, but no idea of who he is or where he came from. That's awesome. He rides from town to town trying to figure out the mystery of who he is and why he is connected to the giant space worms that are attacking the surrounding settlement. He has the face of a chimpanzee, the mind of a human, and the heart of an outlaw. Inspired, from the, sp- inspired by the spaghetti westerns from directors like Sergio Leone, this is the official introduction of the Banana Western. Chimp with the Brown Hat Volume 1 consists of issues 1 through 4 in the comic and has an amazing introduction by Hall of
3: Fame science fiction artist and writer Vincent DeFate. Nice. Cool. Well, that's great. And he has a link for the Kickstarter and I'll put, you know what I'll do? I'll put this link in our show notes, buddy. All right? All right. Let's do that. Let's do that for him. Since you're a friend of Fernando, Fernando's like the man and we love Fernando. Yes, exactly. And thank you for listening to us and- And I appreciate you still listening to us. And I hope this Kickstarter does well. I saw some of the artwork for it. It looks pretty cool, man. It's pretty, pretty interesting. And and so maybe we can get you to come on and talk about it one of these days. But uh, thanks for the email. And we really appreciate it. So check that out. The Chimp with the Brown Hat, Volume 1 on Kickstarter. All right, guys. I think we have come to the end of this fantastic podcast that we call the Sith List. That's great. Anybody else have anything else to say? Any more Foreigner references? Loverboy references? <laughs> nah, I man. I'm, I'm, Eric, are you tapped out of Foreigner I'll give references? it a
2: rest. Okay. Is give it a rest a Foreigner song? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <damn>. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no, but they're going to have to write one now just to keep it keep it all together. That's right. That's right. That's right. Am, am I uh, mistaken? Is the
3: Lou Graham the lead singer of Foreigner?
5: uh that that
2: feels right
5: it does feel right you feel right right now is is that another foreigner song you feel right no that feels right it probably is (laughs) it's not
3: okay it's not mr struthers other than yes the foreigner fan club that you had where can people listen to your beautiful voice and look at
2: your beautiful hair well you can look at my beautiful hair uh, every time on Twitter, i say that, hold on for
3: a second every time i say beautiful hair it cracks him up every single episode i know because <laughs> when i edit it i listen to it
2: okay uh go ahead <laughs> and, and check me out on my other podcast the bad motivators it's star wars only well it's supposed to be star wars only but sometimes things get out of hand it's for a pretty unique look at star wars from dudes who are We're all dads, and our perspective about Star Wars is like through the eyes of our kids, and how we, yeah, it's it's pretty cool time, man. It checks out on there. We get into really interesting conversations, such as does owning the digital copy of 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 something actually constitute ownership when you don't have the file itself? Ooh, that is like streaming it only. Correct. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, I no. would say no. Yeah, you do not own it, no. No. You're borrowing it. I That's concur, right. but you know, yeah, it's, if you want to open that whole can of worms, so you when you buy, <laughs> quote unquote, buy a movie right. on Amazon Instant Video or Vudu or whatevs, do you own it?
5: No, because somebody can still take it away from you. you, you they're, they're just lending it to you for a longer Not only that, time. if your
3: internet goes down, you can't watch it.
5: Exactly. It's it, It's like with streaming music services. I don't own that album. I do not own it. Wait a minute. So, how about if away? you can
3: download that album, which you can on Spotify now, and you can download movies on Netflix now? So, do you own it if you have it on your phone without the internet?
5: Yes, because it is within your possession, and nobody can take it away from you at that point. When somebody can take it away, it is not yours. Hmm. Interesting.
2: What's your idea? I disagree. Okay, mm, let's get because into it. Somebody, somebody can come in and take away all your stuff tonight while you're asleep, but that stuff is yours. Yeah, but that's that's that no I'm talking as far as not
5: robbery, but I'm talking as far as uh the company that owns the actual product can take it can take it away from you. Yeah, my my, my house could be taken and somebody could dig it out of the uh out of the foundation and you know, helicopter it away.
2: Absolutely. Well, that's not what I meant. No, you're being crazy. So <laughs> but but the don't the terms of service for something like Amazon Instant Video, for example indicate that you are purchasing it?
5: They do. They do. But w- what is their definition of purchase is the better question.
2: Well, that's a good question.
5: I think now, Eric, you're playing head games.
2: Yeah, it's, it is getting... No, no, it's a foreigner, it's a foreigner <laughs> Yeah, song. I you. Gotcha. Okay, thanks, I, But anyway, but yeah, yes. check check out the bad motivators. What you're, not,
3: you're not a dirty white boy, are you? <laughs> no. We're huh, we back a, to that again. Well, I know, I just wanted to, you know, come through a little bit stronger. I had to look those two up though. Is that a song? Dirty White Boy is a song, yeah. By who? By For- Well, by Foreigner. Fuck. Sorry. So is Head
4: Games. Dude. Head
2: <laughs> Games.
3: <laughs> I'm
2: so sorry. Do the baby, Head Games. And I can't take it anymore. Head Games. Yeah, please. Dirty White Boy is is a cool tune, man. And It was funny. I was in this cover band with this guy named Jeff, who was, um, I think he was, I think he was half African American and, but he would basically be white until it suited him to be black. Kind of that, that kind of deal. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: that
4: kind of deal. I know.
2: (laughs) And I, I, I said, we have to do dirty white boy in this band. It'll be hilarious. And he refused utter refusal for him. Good for him. Just like They're I refused to put that J-Lo song. man
4: didn't want to take any
3: risks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, when I did the show notes back in the day for this episode, I did not think that we're going to be talking about Foreigner for such a long time, which uh, you never know with the Sith List. One day, we we'll talk about the Joker. Next second, we'll talk about Dirty White Man. <laughs> Dirty White Man. Les, where can people find you on Twitter? Speaking right. of Dirty White Man, at Les is More 78. Carlos Borgwell at The Sith List Boo. And again, you can find me at The Sith List. Guys, we will catch you on next week's episode, number 113 of The Sith List.